Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. CBS reporter Jim Crisula joins us now. He was on yesterday uh, talking about COVID-19. Back again today. Um, Jim, first of all, good afternoon. Hi, good to talk to you again. Yeah, thanks a lot for doing this. Uh, Let's take sort of a global look. We're going to go to Brandon and and get real local in a bit on COVID-19. Let's sort of look globally because we're coming up on a a grim milestone. The World World Health Organization, WHO, says this week will likely hit 20 million cases of COVID-19 and about 750,000 deaths. I think during this whole pandemic uh, many of us have sort of focused in on our community, and here in Winnipeg and Manitoba, it's been much better than in other jurisdictions. But when you look at this globally, I mean, it, it, the numbers really are shocking, aren't they? Yeah, they really are. Who would have thought when when we first started talking about this hell back in really the, the I guess, midwinter, if yep. you will, and then uh, here in the States, you know, cases really started to take off, I guess, at in late February and then into March, of course. But again, uh, it's just been a worldwide issue, obviously. Some of the hot spots early on, of course, China, Italy, uh, the Korea, South Korea specifically, those it seems we don't hear a whole lot about those areas anymore. Uh, Brazil, still a lot of cases, new cases, new clusters being reported across Mexico. Here in the States, I think I've seen over the last day or two, in a lot of places, cases seem to be perhaps leveling off a little bit. Hmm. Yeah, let's hope so, eh? Um, and the other interesting thing about this, you know, six months ago when we first started hearing about this compared to now, we have learned a lot about this virus. We didn't know much when it began. We still have lots of questions, but I think we know some things. And one thing that's kind of interesting, uh, as the province here in Manitoba has doubled up its order for influenza vaccine, right? Because we still have to worry about the normal flu, uh, not sure, COVID-19. Sure. Um, the interesting thing about uh, coronavirus is that it doesn't seem to be affected by weather. You know, mo- mo- like flu, for example, isn't bad in the summer, gets worse as the weather gets colder. But we've seen numbers spike with COVID-19 during the summer. It's weird. You know, hell, there was some talk, and there was talk early on, in fact, President Donald Trump mentioned this again back in the late winter, early spring. He said, hey, once the warm weather gets here, the hot weather, this stuff's going to go away. But, yeah, as you say, that's certainly not been the case. That certainly hasn't happened. Mm -hmm. What do you know about this? Uh, I've got some other stories I'm going to get to on this. What do you know about the Russian vaccine? The Russians claim to already have a, a vaccine, and uh, Putin's daughter apparently has taken it safely. Uh, do you know anything about that? Are you covering that part of the story at all today? Not especially, but I mean, I have seen some some mention from the some talk chatter, if you will, from the WHO, the World Health Organization, and they, of course, their experts have been asked about this today, Hell, and they've basically said, look, we don't have enough information from Russia to say one way or the other if this is a new hope. Mm-hmm. Um, what am I missing here, Jim, before I let you go? Anything else we got to get out there on, on the part of the story you're covering today? Well, we, we talked, Al, yesterday about college football here in the States. And still, right. uh, we're awaiting a, deci- a decision from some of the largest collegiate athletic associations, the board of directors uh, and presidents, the board of trustees of the Big Ten universities, many of them in the Midwest 
here in the States. They are meeting again today to talk about whether or not there's going to be college football this fall. Hmm. Jim, thanks a lot for your help again today. Uh, I don't think I'll talk to you tomorrow, but we'll talk soon. <laughs> sure. Look forward to it. Right. Thanks, Hal. Stay yeah. well. Thank you. You as well. Michelle Durand Wood is a blogger at DearWinnipeg.com. Michelle, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hal. Thanks for uh, jumping on here. I appreciate it. Uh, you're usually one of the first guys I think of when we uh, talk City of Winnipeg stuff, whether it's infrastructure or whatever. And today we're talking construction and we're talking speed enforcement. Let's start with construction. We had Munther Zedon from Food Fair uh, talking about some work they're doing by one of his stores on Maryland and Westminster. Listen, is construction just part of life in Winnipeg? You know, they say it's it's one of the seasons, construction season. Uh, or can we do a better job of it? Uh, one of the things Munther said is, why aren't we working at nights and weekends? And why isn't there somebody at the city that can maybe be the go-between between a business guy like him and these construction companies that are just doing their jobs? Um, it, it seems like communication is, is lacking, and it would be better if there was somebody in the middle helping. Because let's face it, these businesses are paying a lot of tax dollars, right? Well, yeah, for sure, and I, I think I think part of it is 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 a problem that we just have citywide about sort of our focus on traffic, um, and I think the the issue with with construction is is when we do have a construction zone, and the thing is is we can't get away from that. I mean, all of our roads, all of our pipes, everything needs maintenance or, or replacement eventually. So we're never going to be able to get away from that if we're going to be a city that doesn't fall apart. Uh, but the issue is is because we are so focused on making sure the traffic is free-flowing and traffic is moving, that's what we also focus on when we set up a construction zone. We make sure that traffic can continue to flow freely on that stretch of road. But when you think about it from a business perspective, that's the, that's the opposite of what the businesses want. The businesses want traffic to be able to stop. They want people to be able to park, get out of their cars, get on the sidewalk, walk to their businesses, spend their money. Um, and, and that seems to be really Kind of, an, kind of a, not even a, not even an afterthought. We don't even sure that people driving or walking or biking here can stop and go into these businesses and spend their money. And that that should really be kind of the the priority. Whereas when we're prioritizing moving traffic, the things you do to make sure the traffic can go are obviously the opposite of the things you would do if you're trying to make traffic stop. <laughs> You know, and so and so from a business owner's perspective, uh, if there's construction and we're focused on making traffic go, uh, what we're focused on essentially is making people drive right by their business and not stop. And so, of course, they definitely feel it in their in their top line and in their bottom line that way. Sure. And you and I have talked about this on the show before, and I know you've written about this before. But the problem is it's not just, for example, Maryland and New and Westminster uh, where the food fair is, uh, you believe that we have to have a longer-term approach to this, right? Where, yes, there are some roads and, and areas and thoroughfares where we're moving vehicles, and then others where we're moving people and cycle and bicycles where they can stop and, and do business. We've kind of mixed the two up a, a bit in the past, right? Yeah, that, and that's 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 kind of uh, we talked about it before. We call it the the futon of transportation, and the futon is a crappy sofa that turns into a crappy bed, um, and and that's kind of what we get when when we look at the kinds of streets that are good for making people 
get out of their cars or get off their bikes or, or go in and spend money at stores. The things you need are exactly the opposite of what you need to make cars uh, drive through smoothly, right? And, and so um, the reality is we need to have both, uh, but they need to be in different places. So we need to focus on which places are going to be the places where we have businesses, where we have pedestrians and cyclists and, 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 and economic activity, and which places are going to be sort of high-speed connections between those places. Um, and so, you know, you can, you can kind of look at the difference between, um, you know, a, a place like, um, you know, Cordon Avenue or even southern, south uh, Henderson, where there's tons of businesses and tons of activity, lots of streets, lots of parking, uh, which is made to stop people, and maybe a street like um, Chipegwis, which is uh, absolutely a, a high-speed connection between two places. And, and when you try to, try to make them both, um, in the same place, um, you end up getting neither. You end up with a place that's bad at, at economic activity, and it's also bad at moving traffic. And so you get the worst of both worlds. And so focus on which places are going to be for economic activity, economic development for, for people and businesses, and which places are going to be connections between these two places, and then, and then you know, design them accordingly. I don't think there's any question that construction can be done better how do we do it better? How do we make it better? Uh, working at night, weekends, any ideas on, on that, Michelle? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously doing nights and weekends is, is going to shorten the construction period, so the disruption will, be, will last um, a much shorter period, which is obviously a good thing. Uh, but, again, it will be on, on, on focusing that when we do do construction in some places, how are we making sure that, that people who are, coming to those places to go to those businesses? How are we making sure they can easily park? How are we making sure that they can easily get out of their cars and get to the business? How are we making sure that, that pedestrians or cyclists that are getting there can easily get by and, and, and go to these businesses? And, and, and that's, again, a completely opposite goal of making sure that we're not getting traffic delays. Um, and so, you know, it, it's going to come down to that kind of, that kind of thing um, that we need to, to, to decide and sort of change our priorities. Yeah, Munther Zid said one uh, construction crew was great, worked with him. They they did their best to try and help his business while getting the job done. And then he said he had another crew that basically just shrugged their shoulders and turned away and, and, and walked away. And so, uh, I, you know, I don't know. Listen, uh, I don't know if people uh, in jobs at the city can be liaisons between businesses and construction crews, but there has to be a better way of doing this. And again, it, it you know it goes back to this lack of communication that we talk about all the time at all three levels of government, but certainly with the city of Winnipeg. Oh, for sure. And 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 I would say that you know I don't I don't think it's up to the contractor to necessarily uh, be that liaison. They're just following the rules no. laid out laid out by the city. So really, it is up to the city to lay out the rules and to, to liaise with businesses and with, with homeowners or, or, you know, anybody else um, that, that is affected by the construction. It's definitely something that we need to decide is important to say that, yeah, we do want our businesses to not go <laughs> go under just because we're repairing the street or replacing a, you know, a sewage pipe or whatever. We need to make sure that, that you know, our economically that we can continue to function and, and function well. Um, while again, like limiting those disruptions as much as we can, and and that's that has to be a city-led kind of initiative. I don't think we can rely on on the the construction contractors to to kind of do that of their own volition. 
Let's talk speed enforcement for a minute here. Um, you know, it was sort of surprising to hear a lot of listeners uh, by text and email and, and many phoned in as well saying that they wanted to see more speed enforcement on the south perimeter when we, we had that uh, announcement last week about uh, Ethan Boyer Way. And uh, that has sort of continued. Uh, Councillor Janice Lukes was on our air, and she says something's got to happen. She's especially concerned about the racing that we're seeing out there. Uh, where do you end? We're, you know, in the midst of a photo radar uh, review. Where do you come down on, on how to deal with speeders and, and uh, stopping that from happening out there without uh, upsetting a lot of the people on the other side of this issue? Well, so... I mean, enforcement is, is definitely one tool out of, a, out of a tool belt for making sure that, that our streets are safe for everybody. Um, I don't think it's necessarily the best tool or the first tool that we should use. Um, you know, obviously, um, it's, it, it has some effectiveness, um, but it also has um, some limits to it. And, and, and there, are, there are probably some more effective things we could do that, that are less disruptive, less expensive, um, and will get us a better bang for our buck. Um, on top of that, in, in places like Waverly West, we can't be too surprised that people are, are using those streets as a, as a raceway um, because we've essentially designed them and built them as raceways. Um, they're nice, smooth, wide roads, uh, nice and straight. Um, they're, built to, they're built for speed, essentially. So when people speed down there, it's not ultra surprising. Now, the, the major issue we have in Winnipeg with enforcement is the the revenue portion um the fact that it goes into it's collected by the police and it goes into the police's general revenue for them to do with as they please um is 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 a conflict of interest you can't have the city department in charge of enforcing road safety benefiting financially when people are driving unsafely um that's a complete conflict of interest and i think that's where a lot of people you know, have issues with it, you know, say it's a cash grab, you know, if the police department just needs more money, they just send out more more squad cars to, to start enforcing uh, speeding or, or red lights or, or whatever. And so it's easy to, to understand why people feel that it's not about safety, it's about revenue. And so what we need to do is to uncouple that conflict of interest. And, and, and the city of Ottawa recently uh, uh, announced that they, um, in Ontario, they, they just recently got the right to, to do photo enforcement. And the first thing the city of Ottawa has done in setting up their photo enforcement pilot is to uh, set up a separate road safety fund. So any enforcement revenue goes into that separate fund, which is then used to make streets safer. And so what, what we would see that in Winnipeg is, is if there's a section of street where there's a lot of speeding and there's a lot of enforcement revenue come there, you take that money and then you use it to you to do traffic calming pilots or re-engineering the street physical improvements to help reduce um, the incidence of speeding because the physical environment the way a street is built is going to have a lot to do with how fast people are comfortable driving regardless of the speed limit and so if we can sort of do that instead um, what will happen is eventually you get to a point where you're no longer collecting revenue uh, because um, you've designed all your streets properly, and it's, it's going to be a longer process. But at least if you can, you can show that the it's not about revenue; it's about safety. That that money that's collected is going straight back into safety improvements. I think a lot of people will, are, are are 
much more likely to be on board because they can see the link to safety. Michelle, appreciate your time today. Thanks a lot. And uh, I invite people to go and check out your writings at DearWinnipeg.com. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Always a pleasure, Hal. Joining me now, Dave Patrician, the Sports Doctor. You can follow him on Twitter, at the Sports Doctor. Dave, how are you, sir? Happy anniversary, Hal. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. I I, I uh, got an issue with it. The the apology thing, people are more trustworthy. If that was the case... Prime Minister Trudeau be the most trustworthy person in the world? <laughs> well, yes, or, or, or perceive, perceived to be, and he's certainly not perceived to be that. Yeah, that's, that's a very good point, Dave. <laughs> Boy, I'll tell you, you're good. You do all the sports, and you throw in the political humor as well. I'm proud of you. Um, but but usually our conversation, Dave and I have known each other for many years, and it's hard for me not to call him Dynamite or DDP on the air uh, <laughs> because uh, you are a professional wrestler, uh, and your uh, ring name was Dynamite Dave Petro or DDP, so it's hard for me not to call you that. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you miss wrestling? I mean, you're the same age as me. You're into your 50s now. Do you miss being able to get in the – well, you probably were in the ring not all that long ago. You're in better shape than I am. I did a match in December, Hal. I did Come a on. match in December. But, uh, though those the better days are before. It's like I, – I, I explain it to people, like, you know, guys who play Friday night hockey – Right, they yeah. played hockey as kids. They they maybe played in high school. They played it with their buddies, and maybe even got serious about it. But they just can't get it out of their system, and they go out Friday night to play hockey. It's the same thing with wrestling. Um, when you become a wrestler, yeah. it's almost you're almost a member of a I want to say secret society. It's like a magician that you know. There's things that you know that you can do. You're always going to be a wrestler. I'm always going to be a wrestler, and I, and, and and with that wrestling mind, uh, sorry, the re- the wrestler in me, my mind is always looking at the angles, <laughs> the, the different things. You and I had lots of conversations about that. <laughs> yes, right, working the angles. You bet, absolutely. Uh, let's talk a little sports, and who knows, the conversation may go to other areas as well. Uh, let's start with baseball. You wanted to talk Jays. We'll get to the gold eyes in a second, but you wanted to talk Jays. Well, yeah, the Jays, uh, you know, of course, Major League Baseball, um, all the different little problems they've had with different COVID-19 clusters with different teams. Uh, The Jays actually start a home series against the Miami Marlins, who are the forefront of the COVID battle. But it's it's an unusual home series for the Toronto Blue Jays because it's not really home. It's not really even in Toronto. It's not really in their own country. They're starting in Buffalo at a place called Salem Field. And the interesting thing about Buffalo is Buffalo once was a major league town. Back in 1915, uh, the Buffalo Blues played in something called the Federal League at the time. Mm. So, yeah, so so there's some history. That's where their AAA affiliate uh, plays in in Buffalo. So, I mean, that's just a very short little jaunt for the Jays to to have guys go up and down. But uh, it's interesting. The Jays have pulled off a 5-8 and record so far. Uh, in 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 the season, it's very very short. It's very it's a I think it's a 62 game season this year, but it's going to be interesting to see how the Toronto Blue Jays uh, perform in their mm-hmm. home field. They say that with air quotes in Buffalo, yeah. New York. It's going to be interesting to watch on television. Yeah, um, listen, the Jets are done. Uh, they didn't do well in the in the draft lottery either. Um, and we're gonna, I guess we will wait and see what happens with the Bombers. We'll get to football in a second here, but the Gold Eyes are doing all right. Yeah, 
they, they've got a tremendous record. Uh, they're one game ahead of Milwaukee. They're in first place. Um, they're playing an abbreviated season as well uh, in three city hubs, which is kind of expanding a little bit uh, as the gold eyes. Some of their games are going to get moved around a little bit. Milwaukee, uh, the, the milkmen there, they're going to play in another field, and they're going to be some actually some games in St. Paul, Minnesota, because right now the hubs really are uh, the, the Milwaukee field, Fargo, and um, – one of the Sioux, either Sioux Falls or Sioux City. I can always get those yeah. two. Com- but yeah, yeah they're they're too. doing a great job. Uh, they've had some. Uh, they they got to play a doubleheader today, which is always tough because uh, they're just shortened games because of some bad weather they had down in Fargo. And uh, yeah, they're doing a tremendous job. It's just too darn bad. That is one of the summer pleasures. I really enjoy is, is, is going to the games, uh, whether it even be a Friday night or even a Tuesday night like tonight, and sitting in the stands. It's a nice night watching a little baseball. But uh, you know what? They're doing a great job, and uh, I'm, I'm a, a season ticket holder, so the communication is really strong. And yeah. uh, I know it's tough for the newspapers or even global radio to send someone down because you can't really cross the border. So, I mean, you really kind of got to dig around for information, but the Gold Eyes have off to a great start. And, again, one game ahead of Milwaukee. I was going to ask you about that. What is it with the fish, you know? Um, is it, and you talked about the, the, park, the ballpark experience, and you've been a fan of the Gold Eyes for a long time. Is it more about the experience of being in the park and, you know, that whole thing? Or is it about the baseball and the game, or, or does it go more one way or another? Well, the baseball is a big part of it. I mean, first of all, the the, 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 the crew over there, Andrew, the general manager uh, of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, and his team over there, guys like Dan Chase, have yep. put together such a phenomenal ballpark experience. Like from the minute you walk onto the parking lot, there's smiling faces, There's a, then you get closer, there's a band going, there's food mm-hmm. vendors, there's players wandering around the concourse, like even before you get into the stadium, there's a vibe being generated you walk in there there's there's happy smiling kids i don't know how they hire these kids every single year because there's turnover right because kids grow up they they go on to other jobs or back to Mm -hmm. university and things like that it's just such a great warm fuzzy feeling when you get in there the concession uh, prices are a little bit lower than that you would say a lot lower than you'd say the jets or the bombers um and then the on-field product the gold eyes always keep a nucleus of players every year it's a very transitional league guys are either kind of going get going up in their career or they're way down and that's kind of it so we've seen some guys go to majors on the, uh, particularly pitchers before but so you really can't get too attached to the team except for two or three guys or the general or the, man, the manager rick forney mm-hmm. but but there's something about it. There's some. There's that energy on the team. It's 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 what like I say. It's what they've developed. The product they put on the field because of Rick Forney and his team. That's always delivers, and the games are always exciting. The the, the goal lines never get blown out. It's a lot mm-hmm. of fun, and I kind of miss it. Yeah, and I hear that from a lot of people, Dave. You you you're saying what a lot of people have told me uh, over the years, and I don't get to a whole whole lot of. It's been a few years since I've been at a, a fish game, and I don't get to a lot of them. But but the people that go on a regular basis talk about what you just talked about there, and and I you know not to get too political, we're talking sports here, but I really hope the city of Winnipeg can figure out something with Sam Cates and the Gold Eyes because I really do think that they bring a lot to the community. They don't get a lot of attention usually. Uh, right. But they bring a lot to the community, and, and I hope they can work something out there. So the Jets, they uh, they ended up. Uh, well, I guess their ball was the was the first one to be pulled from the the bingo machine, right? 
Well, you know, it's very strange how that uh, thing works. You know, it's kind of like uh, 649 shrouded in secrecy uh, you know, with, the, with the balls. But, you know, the number one thing is we're going to get the number 10 pick. We could have, we had a chance at getting the, the number one pick overall uh, mm-hmm. in the draft. And, um, you know, I've, I look at some of the guys that uh, Kevin Shoveldayoff has been able to draft when he in the first round, and um, when you put it down, when you put it down, and you're, we're talking about guys like Mark Scheifele, Patrick Laney, Nikolai Ehlers, yep. um, and uh, Jacob Trouba, even though he went on to the New York Rangers, these guys, these these picks in the first round, he always does a great job, and uh, that would have been that would have been just another one. I think one year we didn't have a pick because we had traded it away, but you know it's disappointing. But a number ten pick is still pretty strong, and there's a there's a nucleus of guys that are with our team uh, and still coming up, um, whether it be with the Moose or college or, or developing mm-hmm. in, uh, in uh, other hockey programs that I think we're going to be set for a long, long time, but it sure would have been nice. A good consolation prize for yeah. getting our butts kicked out of the playoffs to get the number one pick overall. Yeah, it would have been nice. And I guess the Rangers who got top pick will pick this guy here. Really fun to, uh, to know who, uh, who won the lottery today and uh, a really good team, obviously, with a lot of good uh, Good players, so uh, for sure it's a, it's a pretty good news, and uh, really happy. Alexei Lafreniere, is that how you say his name, Lafreniere? I believe so. Yeah, it's exciting. So, yeah. You know that. I mean, you know, the conspiracy theorists are all out saying, "Oh, that's that been rigging it up for New York, the big TV market getting it." But you know what? The <laughs> Rangers haven't done much. Uh, you know, I could say that effectively since Mark Messier left, right? So we mm. need uh, you. You kind of you kind of say, "Okay, it's better." Let's just put it this way, uh, hockey fans: it's way better the New York Rangers get the number one pick than the Edmonton Oilers. internet bump that happens once in a while uh, and then i just gotta sit and wait for the yellow light to go back to green but you know the interesting thing is i think the last time it happened and it hasn't happened for a while the last time it happened dave patrician come on back in here sports doctor i think you and i were on the air when it happened last time i think it's happened twice to us hell <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's you and me maybe there's something going on here i don't know it's that electricity in the air when we talk. Ah, yes, yes. By the way, they're liking your comment about better the Rangers than the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> somebody, uh, somebody here says, that was awesome. Way better than that the pick went to the Rangers than the Edmonton Oilers. Mike dropped smiley face with the crying tears. So uh, they like the comment. Hey, let's just uh, wrap up quickly here. By the way, we're going to get back to uh, the Jets pick and, and uh, uh, all that with Hextall and Hockey here in just a moment with Leah Hextall. But... Let's finish the conversation. Um, so college football, I think you sort of commented on that uh, while I was uh, resetting here. Let's just quickly uh, talk about the CFL and that beautiful ring. Bob Irving got the ring. Uh, don't you just love that ring? I'm so jealous. Like, I'm just so jealous. Like, years and years ago, um, the, I was a member of the Winnipeg Blue Bomber Board of Directors, and uh, they, they, they dissolved the board that the, we were part of, I was part of, with a few other, with a lot of people. There was probably 30 of us on there, and they went to the smaller board, and, uh, you, and you saw, the, I saw like, for people like Marnie Strath got a Grey Cup ring for being on the board of directors. It's just absolutely beautiful. Um, yeah, I talked to my contact over at the football club, Carol, and she's like, you could even, you could, you could hear the smile over the phone. You could, you could, you just, you could just see that. You can just sense that from these people. And such a, such a proud ring. And I can only imagine how Bob Irving 
um, yeah. feels for being the part of the club for, for so many years, dating back to the early 70s and then through difficult times when the league you know, had their own television network and, and Bob was part of the play-by-play crew there and ups yes. and downs and great cup losses. And yep. it's what, a, what a wonderful thing for Bob to have a ring. Well, and waiting almost three decades to get that ring, and I mean, really, I mean, the players come and go, the coaches come and go, the GMs come and go, uh, but Bob's been there for all those years, and, and absolutely he deserved a ring, and I'm so glad, I've said this before, but I'm so glad the Bombers uh, did that, and, and just a really cool gesture on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers' part uh, to give Bob the ring. So we still don't know what the hell's going on with the CFL. Is there going to be a COVID-19 season in Winnipeg? We're still waiting on this, Dave. Are you surprised this has taken so long? Yeah, like you said, back in the one o'clock hour, you're saying that you know maybe you know it's a good thing it's kind of stretched out because maybe it's getting closer and closer. Mm. But I'm not getting any vibe whatsoever. I mean, I know that yeah. you know we're set to host it here, and we know that Wade Miller has put together a comprehensive package of hotels and and different things for the teams to 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 essentially self isolate, be in a bubble. Um, like and and but the problem lies in the Canadian Football League is we don't have the kind of resources that Major League Baseball, National Hockey League, NBA have. So that's why we rely on some government money and 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 really, you know, for the, people criticize the province for for putting a little bit of money there. But if you see the spinoffs in terms of uh, you know hotel room nights and all the different all the different things, all yeah. the taxes and stuff that generates, people go back to work. That's not that's that's not even cost neutral. That's making the mm-hmm. province money. So people got to put that out of their head. And if they're worried about the safety of the of, of the public, hopefully everybody in a bubble. There's no people in Edmonton or Toronto complaining about the National Hockey League right now. Everybody's just happy to have hockey back. And I think if we get this CFL going, I think people are going to just be happy we have our Blue Bombers back. Yeah, I was sensing some optimism. I had Dana Spiring on uh, from uh, Economic Development Winnipeg, and I was sensing some. She was one of the. She's one of the governors, and I was sensing some optimism. You know, I kind of thought, geez, we might get an announcement in the next year or two. The way she was talking, and then it was radio silence. We've heard nothing, so we'll keep our fingers crossed and hope we hear something soon. Bob was on the show yesterday. Bob Irving, voice of the Bombers, and he said he's been saying this for several weeks now. But he said yesterday, this has got to be the week, Al. We got to hear one way or another whether or not this is going to happen. So hopefully we do. Hey, uh, listen, Dave, thanks a lot for doing this story about the Internet Bump, pal, but we'll uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Hal. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.